Hello and welcome to this episode of More Like Him, a podcast about everyday moments with God. Today we are having another chat with my fabulous friend Jeff McNabb, who is such a funny guy. He's been a very important constant, particularly in my husband's life, but in all of our family's life. He is an avid fan of St. George Dragons and the Beatles and so many musicians, or particular musicians. He really loves reading and going to the movies. He loves the beach. And he and his wife have just entered a really sweet spot in their life where they were to live at the beach and live in a community where they're really forging great relationships and intentional opportunities to spend time with those who don't know God yet. They are a beautiful couple. Jeff is a wonderful servant of God and a natural teacher, someone who has a great sense of humor and is a very great observer of the people around him and uh, yeah, finds a very gentle and kind way to help them understand themselves better. Jeff is joining me today and we're going to talk about teaching, how he got into teaching, who's influenced him and encouraged him, but also how he's seen God use that and grow him and shape him through that journey. So thank you, Jeff, for being here today again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It is going to be really interesting to hear about this. So many Christians are in teaching and healthcare professions. And uh, I know that that wasn't actually your original path, but we'll get to that. The first question, you've done something different here today. Um, Normally, I'm the one who sends the questions to the interviewee. (laughs) But today, Jeff and his wife, I believe, have come up with the questions. And I think they're brilliant. They're wonderful. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready to hear all about this. Question one, here we go. What are the major influences in your life, Jeff? All right, so we'll take as a given that Mr. McNabb is a Christian, that the Bible has influenced his life profoundly. The people who have been in my life have been uh, my parents in in different ways. I was my mother who nurtured me in my Christian faith and also showed me about the care of children. Mm. It was my father who, in one sense, believed in me and gave me the strength to pursue uh, my gifts and passions. It was um, people like Francis Schaeffer from Labrie Mm. who gave me a perspective on life as a Christian that I could pursue my artistic passions and still feel like that I was uh, doing the right thing in the Christian world. Yeah. Yeah. There are some very strong uh, influences. And if people have heard the previous interview I've done with you, they would have heard all those names already because they really have not just influenced your career, but also your faith. Mm. Yeah. So you've mentioned your passions. What are some of your passions? Uh, I love music. I torment my wife listening to blues music. Um, That's been a passion I've had for about 10 years now. I've always loved music. I find there's something about music that's very spiritual. Mm. And there are times when you feel like you are entering a very different world when you listen to people sing. Mm. Uh, Last night we were actually watching YouTube and watching Randy Stonehill in a concert. And he had a very profound influence on me in his willingness to share things in a way that was world-class. Music moves me. Negro spirituals especially. Sometimes I think a part of me was born black. But there's something about music that's very profound. My my grandfather was a concert cornet player in Scotland. I couldn't play uh, uh, an instrument. I tried very hard, but there was something deep within me 
my wife said, what music am I going to play at my funeral? And she, I said, just put my iPod on and just play it endlessly. Mm. And that's how it's going to be. <laughs> Great. Um, (laughs) i've not heard people talking so openly about music plans for their funeral and those kinds of things (laughs) but you know it's i guess it's part of reality of life right it is it is i'm gonna bore people at my funeral as well (laughs) (laughs) i highly doubt that jeff (laughs) oh my goodness um you're not just passionate about music though there's other things you're passionate about obviously you're passionate about jesus and people seeing who god is yeah yeah, I have a particular passion for um, teaching Jesus to others. So I had the uh, privilege of teaching at two Christian schools uh, in my career as a teacher. Yeah. And during that time, I had the opportunity to intimately share on a daily basis during devotions and hone my skills in getting to the bottom of what children needed to hear about God and learning how to think sideways about how to get them interested. And someone said to me the other day, watch the most important thing about you and SRE. I said the children want to come back and ask questions. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's a very important thing. You've had a number of career changes. What are yeah. they? Okay. So um, I started off as a hospital scientist, which I did from 21 years of age to 40 years of age. Uh, During that time, I wasn't a very happy chappy. I pursued a lot of other things. I became a professional personal counsellor. I also did a graphic design course and had my own screen printing business. And I did a lot of research in reading of passions that I wanted to pursue, whether that be art, uh, whether that be uh, history, world history, which turned into interest in World War One and World War One flight and the early days of flight. Then there was a, a, a real God moment in my life where God basically threw a hand grenade into my life and that turned into become teaching. Mm-hmm. A little story there was that I um, was had left my full-time job and my daughter didn't have an SRE teacher and I said, well, that's not right. And then I got a, um, accredited by my church end up teaching SRE to my daughter in year Hmm. four. And from that turned into my wife saying, why don't you look into teaching because you're enjoying it so much. The teacher in my daughter's class says, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you come back and teach some art? Wow. Which she's not allowed to do because I wasn't accredited. Yeah. But I came back on a number of occasions and taught art. I really enjoyed it. And that turned into doing a transfer grad dip ed at the University of Western Sydney as a primary school teacher. Yeah. What did you learn from all these career changes? Wow. There's lots of different parts to me. Yeah. There's lots of different parts to me, and God was willing to use those different parts of me. I'm a person who moves from one path to another. Once I've pursued something to its umpteenth degree, I'll put it down and go and pursue something else. Mm. So I've had lots of passions in my life, mm-hmm. and, and God has been able to use all those different parts of me. I'm not one person. I'm, I'm a whole series of persons, listening a whole series of stuff, and he's used that very profoundly. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. So you did become a teacher later in life. Uh, yeah. What did your journey to becoming a t- teacher involve? Oh, I actually gave up my uh, ability to earn money. 
Mm. I stopped working full-time to study full-time and my wife went out and worked full-time and God was very good in that the money that I'd received for my my work actually paid for my university course and our mortgage for 12 months. Wow. And I was reading the Bible one day and one of the verses said, I'll put a hedge around you. And I said to Megan, it's going to be okay. God's going to look after our finances during this time. And he did. Mm, yeah. that I mean, that would have been a huge thing because at the time you had two kids, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a house to pay off. That's right. And, so, and there's so many things that can just come out of left field that you're not anticipating as we know in life. But in that particular yeah. season where you knew you had limited income and we're taking yeah. this huge step of faith. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, yeah. how kind good, of God good. that he gave you that moment too to just confirm? Uh, look, it was kind. In other ways, it was quite brutal. Um, I was stuck and he had to do something really damaging to me in other people's eyes to get me to move. Yeah, okay. Um, I, was, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, but I was actually very afraid to leave a career which paid for the house and the mortgage and I had that sort of thundercloud over me and he said, go, it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. But that, but that I had sleepless nights, I had night sweats, I had dreams, I had terrible moments and the end it was like being pushed through this vortex to get to the other side and I couldn't do that. He had to do it. And it was incredibly profound. Yeah, wow. It was painful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're not here to talk about this today, but change is something that is so hard, like to take the actual step of making a change. And sometimes, yeah, it may not feel like kindness in the moment, but you can look back and say, in God's kindness, he did it for me because I don't yeah. think I could have. Yeah. And as I said to you previously, um, God is a God of decades. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then he's got the storm brewing. You don't see it coming. Yeah. And sometimes he has to uh, push your boat around and throw waves at it for you to realise. You're just going to say, okay, God, um, I'm trusting you here. Even though it's really bad, yeah. I'm going to trust you here. Yeah. So what are your thoughts then on teaching as a Christian man? Yeah. It has become really difficult as a teacher who's a man these days with a way that... Um, uh, people view men as, how can I say, what's the word I'm looking for? They can be a risk, mm. yes, but there are. I've seen time and time again what it means for a man to be in a classroom with children and the way they bring a different view to the world. Mm-hmm. And it's too often a children associate education with women. No offence to the women out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they associate being taught at church with women. And there is a huge yawning gap out there. Take the minister off the pulpit and it's women who carry that teaching load by and large. Mm. And we need men out there in teenage ministry and children's ministry to show that it's authentic for them as well as this is for the women. Yeah. I mean, amen, brother. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I certainly know at the school we have our kids in now, my husband and I have been really encouraged by the number of male teachers there. Yeah. But that, that feels like a luxury because it is. there's yeah. a huge shortage of men well, in proportion to women in teaching. Yeah. The children want it because I went on my first teacher training uh, in Western Sydney 
and I walked on the playground and the only male in the school was the principal and the boys actually lined up and shook my hand because I was actually a man, yay, who was a teacher. Absolutely. And my daughter had a, a male teacher in kindergarten and thought it was the best thing in the world. Yes. Really, And I think it was actually really uh, normalising for her because it wasn't, well, it just, it put her in a position where she was just there to be a student and she didn't have to worry about, I guess, some of the relational side of having a female teacher in the oh. sense that I think uh, she wanted to please him but that looked very different in the way that she felt she needed to do that. Okay. Which right. was... You, you don't realise the impact you're having. Um, it's a very quiet thing and it's only until later when parents speak to you or children speak to you that you realise that your maleness has a distinct difference. Yeah. 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 I think also for a lot of uh, Christian men and, you know, non-Christian men, their work requires such long hours that their kids don't get as much face-to-face time as their, no doubt their dads would like to be able to have with their children. And so having a male teacher there means that they've got another significant male in their life who is able to spend time with them and speak truth and put time into encouraging them and building them up. It's so valuable. Yeah, it's very important. And yeah. there are fewer and fewer on the landscape and that's a sad thing too. Well, yes, we're going to have to talk to God about that one, about raising yes, up are. some more men to take on teaching. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Here we are. What, what do you particularly enjoy about teaching? Well, if you don't interact, um, don't love interacting with children, then you should walk away. I love interacting with children. I love their questioning. I love their humour. I love their energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part of me that turns, uh, a little switch turns on, and a part of me that who is me uh, comes alive when I'm interacting with children in a teaching uh, way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned already that you're a great observer and I feel like as you're interacting with children, you pick up things about them that they and potentially their parents haven't yet twigged to. Right. And I definitely have experienced that with you as you were teaching our daughter in Sunday school. And now our son, as you're getting to know him, Yes. That there are things you'll say to us, have you noticed this about Zoe or Josiah? And we'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay. It's a, it's a very helpful thing. And obviously Thank because, you oh, you're welcome. But it's obviously because, yeah, you're enjoying spending time with them and you're paying attention. What are some of the challenges then um, that came your way in teaching? Well, I'm going to focus on one here. Um, yeah. I was in a classroom where a student died. That had a very profound impact upon me, a very profound impact upon the school, but more importantly, a very important uh, impact and a sad impact upon my class Mm. where I said to my stage supervisor, I feel I'm walking into the sadness every day. Mm. And I walked into a class for six months where every day they carried with the tragedy of this girl who died and her desk was empty and she wasn't there anymore and she wasn't coming back and their world changed in the blink of an eye. And um, God had his purposes in that and that's another story in itself. Um, but that, was, that had incredible impact. But that fractured my faith. It took me a long time to come to terms with her dying and then here we are talking about that and there's Ukraine 
and all these other places where people are dying in the hundreds and thousands. But it's in the individual death and the way it impacts upon your life and what are you doing, God? Mm. And you realise sometimes that there are no answers until eternity, but a ministry has come out of this girl's death that would never have happened. And you can say to yourself, is a life worth that? But things have happened on a worldwide scale as a result of this charity started as a result of this girl's death, which is now five years ago, where other children's lives, thousands of children's lives are being changed because of the impact of her dying. Wow. I can only imagine what it would have been like for you. I mean, I come from a teaching background as well, but the responsibility to try and care for those little broken hearts in your classroom. Mm. And yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't matter whether the people in your class were close with her or played with her every day or sat next to her. It's still a profound loss and a profound experience of something that you would never hope little little people would have to deal with it at that stage in their life. There's two things I would say to you that I still remember is seeing a whole class crying and not just crying but um, bawling their eyes out, yeah. including boys, and saying to the uh, pastor, the chaplain of my school, I've been called to this. I've been called to deal with children in their grief. And that was, that was when I realised that, I went, oh, my goodness. So um, that was pretty big. That was huge, really huge. And, yeah, really special to be able to look back now and see how God has used that profound tragedy. And hopefully each of those kids in their own journey with God, in their own journey in life, are able to see that he's bringing some good things out of it too. Yeah, it was like a lightning bolt. Um, That's the only way I could uh, talk about it and... um, where are those children now? How has it affected their lives? I don't know, but they've seen tragedy. And um, it's not sometimes until we see tragedy that we're actually tested in the strength of our faith mm-hmm. and we're changed as well. Yeah. So um, I remember yeah. crying on the way to school um, in dealing with it and um, that was big. Yep. Yeah, it's huge. And I imagine uh, the fact that you stayed because it would have been, I'm sure it entered your mind that maybe you should not stay and continue that year or that you would like to maybe not have to deal with the rest of this year. But, um, but Yeah, it, it was like being in a battlefield. Mm. It was like being in the trenches. You stayed with your mates. But yeah. when the battle finished, the stuff rolled over you. And yeah. it was, that, was, that was the interesting part. It was the aftermath. Um, uh, th- that you continue to deal with and those questions that were raised, that's what it's like, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine for the kids in that class, it was super important that you stuck together as a team mm, together. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the wrap-up at the end of the year was, like, massively emotionally huge Yeah. Um, because they carry that with them all the year. But we got there and, that was, as I said, to be called to that was just wow. Yeah. 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 So you're semi-retired now. Yes. What are you what are you doing with your time? So um we've come down here into a house that was being built for us over the last 12 months. We've moved into a new church, a local Baptist church. I am pursuing teaching in SRE. 
I also do tutoring online with nine students with years three to seven. Mm-hmm. And I'm also uh, finding time to exercise a lot more. Uh, that includes playing golf after 20 years mm-hmm. and, and walking the greens with some non-Christian men. That's wonderful. Yeah. So that's definitely semi-retirement and not full retirement. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are times where I would say stopping full-time work comes with its own issues. Yeah. And I was very fortunate in my old church where I had a person who was an older male who walked me through the issues of retirement and what that looked like for him mm. and what that would look like for me. And there are changes to a, 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 a married or partner relationship in retirement that you don't know until you hit it. Mm. And um, there are no maps for it. I think a lot of people during COVID have found it very difficult because they thought, oh, when I retire, I can travel. And then there was no travel. You've got to stay at home with your partner. And so I was very fortunate this um, older brother, uh, his name is Ian Neal. Um, he actually helped me through those first two years and helped me to navigate the difficulties of what retirement can bring when you go from full-time work to not full-time work and say, well, who am I? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What have you learned about God in your journey of faith through all of this? That he loves individuals. <laughs> he does. That's right. And that he, he will, he, if you pursue the way you've been made, then he will help you to be the person he's made you to be. Hmm. Uh, look around and see the things you're passionate about. If God has given you the ability to um, make a garden and landscape, you've given the ability to fly an airplane, if you've given the ability to be a dress designer, uh, whatever it is, then that's how he's made you, then you should pursue that because that puts a smile on his face because he's made you to be the zebra mm-hmm. uh, or he's made to be the octopus. We're all different species in our Christian walk and he's made us for a reason. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you thought about what that says about God? That he's a creator and he can make the weirdest creatures in the world that live under the sea, the bottom of the sea, and know all about them. And that's his creation. And we are his creatures. We're his creation. We need to pursue who we are and look at our spots and our wrinkles and our flippers and be that creature. Yeah. That's really, really significant. Because so often we try to uh, smooth over or pretend that the differences that we have in us don't exist because Mm. it it feels uncomfortable to stand out or to be different in that way. But actually what I'm hearing you say, and I think it is right, is that they're the things that God has instilled in us. And so we don't deny them, but we find ways to use them and to embrace them and to let them glorify God. Yeah, that, that comes in a journey that comes with um, listening to people, being encouraged by people. I love mm. to encourage people because I've been encouraged by people. That's yeah. sort of my love language. Yeah. And I know that that's really important for others too to tell them what they're good at. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that as you've been listening to Jeff today that you've both been encouraged by the way that God has used really hard things and in fact actually reached in and yanked Jeff out of what he was doing and placed him into teaching a profession that is so, so important and 
has such an impact on the lives of our kids and our neighbor's kids and our, you know, grandkids, whatever relationship you have to kids. It's a great privilege for Jeff. I am hearing him share some of the privilege he's had in that role and the significance he sees in men taking that role on. I hope you've been encouraged by that and hearing about that. And I hope you've also just been encouraged by what Jeff has just said, that, yeah, God made us all individually and with our own little quirks and our own strengths and passions, and they're to be celebrated and enjoyed and used for God's glory as well. So no holding, no hiding the bumps, right? No, rejoice in the bumps. Rejoice in the bumps. I mean, I have on occasion had conversations with my kids where they'll say, Mommy, why did God make the echidna like this? Yeah. No one can cuddle the echidna. That seems wrong. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's- I, think God, I think God has a bit of a laugh sometimes as well. And, Absolutely. Uh, if we if we can laugh, then he laughs too. He goes, "Did you see that? That's funny." Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. And we'll probably get to heaven, and he'll say, "Hey, did you guys? Did you see the platypus? Like seriously?" Right. He said that that took me seven years to work that one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm sure we me can and all. Jesus sat down at the design board, and we said, "What are we going to do here?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and those minute creatures that walk around in our kitchens and you wonder where they came from, you sort of go, give us a break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely want to talk to him about cockroaches because they are great. Absolutely, absolutely. That's right. Yep. Right. And I'm, thanks, Katie. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us again, Jeff. And for those That's of you good. who have been listening, take care until next time. <laughs>